You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of the Felony Inc. Podcast. I'm your host today. My name is DJ Dick Hennessy. This is episode 90 maybe 87 something like that uh, very excited to have our next guest in the studio again today um of course i'm talking about my main man bear from criminon yep, insane yep. hey hey and we're gonna have an incredible show today for you so uh thank you for listening and and joining with us just a quick background real quick my first time ever hosting the podcast they were Baron Zane were the guests, and they were representing an organization called Criminal Anonymous or Criminon, and uh, it sounded very intriguing. So me and Mark actually went to a meeting at Criminon, which was located on. Uh, let's see here. It was what, what, six fifty yeah. southeast one hundred thirty ninth at uh, the East Methodist Church. Uh, Monday nights at 7 p.m. Um, Standing room only. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Incredible meeting. And you guys have expanded now and you have more yeah. nights, right? Yeah, that's right. We have we have another meeting at the uh, on a 160th and Southeast Division at the Stay Clean Building. Um, and we're really, really grateful um, for Johnny Gage and uh, all those folks uh, from uh, Miracles and uh, that have uh, donated an office space for a peer support center uh, to us, as well as a meeting room. So we have Wednesday night at 6 p.m. at 2601 Southeast 160th Avenue. That's great. And for people that are just joining us, um, what what can we expect there at the at either meeting? Well, I mean, basically we open up. I mean, there's fellowship. You know, people are getting settled. There's donuts. There's coffee. There's hugs uh, or handshakes, whichever one you prefer. But uh, then we uh, we all settle in and um, um, for our our 12-step meeting. Uh, there's kind of an original 12 steps uh, with Criminon. Uh, we want to add to. We don't want to take away from the other fellowships, which uh, a lot of our members, you know, are, are dual. You know, we have dual fellowships that we actually, you know what I mean, get our recovery from. You know, um, I, I particularly uh, go to NA and Criminon. And, um, and I do the same. Yeah, Zane does the same. As well. Yeah. What about the format of the meeting, Zane? So the format is, it's actually a lot like N.A. Um, we start off with our readings. Uh, we read the 12 steps, the 12 um, precepts, um, who we are. Um, you know, it's a, lot, it's a lot like N.A. or A.A. only, you know, like Bear said, um, we have original 12 steps and precepts. And so, um, but, you know, it's pretty much the same. We... We give um, wristbands for clean time instead of um, keychains, key tags. Um, we have child care. Child care. And then yeah. also, you know, we have a, a secretary who runs the meeting and uh, a chairperson. And that chairperson usually gives their story. And then uh, we open up the meeting for people, you know, who want to share. Um, 
and you'll get a little taste of that here shortly. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give my story today. So, wow, you're gonna chair today? I'm actually gonna chair All today. All right, chairing right here, man. <laughs> Felon Inc. Huh? That's right. A little mini criminal meeting going on. Huh? Very yeah. appropriate. You yeah. know, I got my criminal gear on as well. You yeah, know, you're looking sharp, brother. Looking Thank good. You, yeah. Appreciate looking that. Good. Yeah. And so, uh, basically, me and Mark were very intrigued after we had you as guest, and we went to go see for ourselves what Criminon was all about. And when I went there, you know, I, I, my preconceptions was like, okay, it's in a church, it'll be like a, you know, a handful of people, and it, obviously it's a positive resource for the community. But what, what we saw there that day, I was completely blown away. And... I think that, and that's why, you know, I, I really championed you guys coming back immediately on the show because I wanted to share the legitimacy of what's going on. I mean, this is something that's really, really helping people out. This is something that's making an extremely positive impact on community. I wanted to bring that to the table and, and bring you guys back and really elaborate. On, you know, I, I think when we brought it up, it was, you know, it sounded like a cool idea, but I think with what I've seen and what I've witnessed and what we've what you guys have you yeah. know, brought to the table so far. I mean, it, it needs to be more out there. People need to understand more of just the depth of Criminon and, and how much it really influences society in a positive way. Yeah, and as we, as we, you know, we had that think tank inside Columbia River Correctional, and, and the administration was wonderful and supported us, and uh, we started, we established that first Criminon meeting inside a prison. And as we came out, we've, we've established two meetings so far. Um, we have a couple of other meetings, actually two or three that are on slate to start in some other counties. So that will be across the tri-county area. And uh, we have support from local judges here in, in Multnomah County. And they reached out to the sheriff and, has, and got Criminon approved to go into uh, Inverness Jail and to the Justice Center here. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we have some of our, our very close friends that have applied for going in there and carrying in that first meeting. Do you yeah. know any of those guys? <laughs> well, I mean, now, you know, thank you for considering me a close friend, but uh, I've definitely just applied to go in to Inverness and Justice Center to preach the good word about Felony Inc. and also Criminon and try to influence and motivate people when they get out that there's, it's not just a dead end. You right. know, no. when you get out, there's actually very legitimate resources for you and it supports, you know, a structure and system set up in place for you to succeed. You know, no matter what, if you use again, if you kind of go back into things, we there's people, there's there's a failsafe for you in place to support you. Yeah, so I just want to say, you know, and I said this the last time, so what each and every single person in prison or jails have in common is criminal thinking. And so, you know, if we don't address that, and we come out into the community, and we're struggling, and we have nowhere to go and no money... Uh, you know, we go right back to that, that, that old thinking, you know. So for us, it's about being there to support people as they come out. And, you know, we're making a difference today, and we're actually seeing it. You know, we're seeing people come back into our meetings and saying, you know, maybe I slipped or I relapsed. But, you know, they come back, and, and you know, they're giving it their all. And it's like Bear said, we're, we're uh, you know— we're a family. It feels like a, a place that you belong because there's, you know, so many of us sitting in that room that all have that same that same monkey on the back. You know that uh, Bear talks about it as an elephant in the room that people don't talk about that. You know, and and it's um, 
today we're here and we're talking about it. Yeah, man, that elephant in the room. It's, um, you know what I mean? I used to lead it around by a leash. Uh, you know what I mean? It was like a one-ton puppy when I was a kid. Um, and it just started out, you know what I mean? It, it became my best friend. It became a way that I can soothe. And uh, criminality in and of itself is, is a disorder. And we're really, one of our underlying missions is to get it out there that criminality as a disorder needs to be in the diagnostic manual right next to the gambling addiction. Um, and, and once it is, then all of a sudden, you know what I mean, uh, our community, our courts will see us as not bad people, but people that are suffering from an addiction. And, and that's one of the huge components to this movement and, and to our fellowship is that we're promoting, we're pulling the covers off that elephant in the room and we're saying, hey, you know what I mean? Let's, let's be able to diagnose this and let's get help for our people because yeah. it's real. Uh, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it is real. And it's one of those things, you know, everyone gets out of jail and then we kind of pretend like everything is all good. They've been reacclimated to society. But the reality is there's still those same, you know, habits, that same, you know, intuition, that, that criminal mentality. And it never really fades away. You know, in fact, the majority of people that go to prison and spend significant time, it's almost like the college of how to get away with crime. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's even in our first step, you know what I mean, Dick? It's, you know, we admitted that we suffered an attachment to crime, the criminal lifestyle, and self-image. And think of that's the perfect storm. That's the three-peat. How hard is it to break that cycle, right? Yeah. Uh, that it, once it's ingrained into a person, you know what I mean? And that's what Criminon's all about. We're all about breaking that cycle because the person, and we cultivate spiritual qualities, you know, in Criminon and the person that's, that has empathy, the person that has compassion, and that cultivates that on a daily basis is not going to do crime. And so we're, we're committed to uh, doing that together, man, as a group and as a family. You know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, obviously my first time co-hosting this podcast, you guys were the guest, and I listened to everything you said, and it resonated with me a lot, but I had no real idea of what to expect going to a meeting. And I feel like when you actually go... <laughs> And see what's going on there, yeah. like it's it's, it's way crazy. yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you guys have uh, you guys have made something very significant, and it's still in the infant stages. Yeah. Am I not correct? Yeah, we have dirt between our toes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're so grassroots. We got dirt between. It's you know, so meetings have only been started what 120 days. Yeah. And already we've, uh, you know, started our second meeting. We have three more meetings on the table right now that, um, you know, are in the process of getting started. Um, our, our ultimate goal is, of course, to have, you know, a meeting in the Tri-County area seven days a week. Um, you know, because I feel like, and we feel like this, you know, if you're sitting in a meeting of Criminals Anonymous, what you're not doing you're not out committing crimes. Yeah. And so what that does to our community, it makes it a safer place for everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, really. How much does it take to incarcerate a person? I mean, it, 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 there's a big cost to it. Cost to our community, a cost to it, you know what I mean? Uh, our country. And um, if we can just turn that little dial back on recidivism just a little bit, man, we have made an impact, you know what I mean, in this country. And that's what we're all about. We just made our flyers. You see our flyers right here. I mean, the folks at home can't see them yet, but there's there's American flags behind this flyer. Yeah, you know what I mean. We, we, you know what I mean. I'm proud to be an American, 
and and uh, and I love my country. You know what I mean? I, and with all of its different challenges, but you know, for to have a Criminals Anonymous Fellowship logo amongst that that red, white, and blue man means a lot to us. We need to reconnect, and 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 the antidote to addiction is connection. And so we definitely cultivate that too in Criminals Anonymous, not only to our communities, our family, and you're going to hear from Zane here in just a little bit. Uh, um, his, his very powerful uh, testimony as he chairs this mini-meeting of Criminals Anonymous. Can't wait. <laughs> I genuinely feel like this is going to be one of the most memorable episodes of Felony Inc., in my opinion, from where I witnessed yeah. what I know you guys are about to bring to the yeah. table here. I'm really excited about it, and I want everyone to hear about it, honestly. Uh, thanks. Uh, um, so, so basically, uh, I'm going to share a chapter in, in the book that I'm writing. It's called The Story of L. And uh, L, E-L, uh, is a a nickname for the elephant in the room. Uh, It's the nickname of my criminal addiction. I was once asked by a psychologist, if you could could tell me what your, you know what I mean, Uh, your your criminal addiction looks like, what would it look like? And I looked at him and said, an elephant. And so that kind of inspired me to start writing the book, The Story of L. this actually is a, is a little, kind of in the uh, middle of the book, but it's, it's a story called The Hot Box. It's a, a real-life story of, of something that I went through on the chain gang uh, down in uh, Florida back in the uh, early 90s uh, when the chain gang was still, um, unfortunately, uh, being used on widespread basis. Um, so The Hot Box. I look forward to watching the colonies of birds land on the window seals of K-Wing after another day in the swamps. K-Wing was a disciplinary unit located in the center of the maximum security prison called Lake Butler. It's obvious the architect designed the unit for visual impact and isolation. (laughs) It scared the hell out of me. The building's foundation consisted of multiple 10-foot blocks of concrete. It It looked like a gigantic spider that could pop up at any moment and crawl away, and even after you. Razor-etched steel stairways crisscrossed their way under the belly of this beast, providing the only entrance and exit to this ominous place. This prison inside the prison was a sign designated and reserved for the knuckleheads of the Florida State prison system. Uh, I managed to meet all their criteria. K-Wing Slim would say, you're in your way here, boy as he sized you up for the fight ahead. An evil smile would stretch across his face, exposing yellow tarnished horse teeth that were fighting with each other for dominance in his mouth. He had the ability to peer into your future and adjust it. Chew spit bled down his gums as he laughed and growled and sprayed his juices in the space that lay between. All the while in the giant shadow of his hitman Charlie. That for sure, boss was Charlie's favorite line. He'd echo everything the god of this world would say. K-Wing attracted a wide variety of birds. It was as there was a homing beacons embedded in the hundreds of windows that blanketed the skin of the block. For whatever reason, clans of birds set their internal clock to descend upon this place each day. It was kind of their favorite drive-in. I watched them fly in from all corners of the earth at dusk. It didn't take long for me to realize that we were the attraction and they were watching us. Maybe we were the reason they came there in the first place. The ravens, the finches, the sparrows, and occasional blue jay all squeezed together like a throng of children on a subway car. 
everyone putting their differences aside to take part in a communal nap. It seemed like the walls were like breathing with feathers and beaks and claws. Their favorite spots, even on window seals. Every window pane resembled a block, neighborhood, or territory. It struck me funny when the little guy would get into a shoving match with the bigger guy. The bigger dude would ignore the little dude as he inched closer and closer, just just little jerks of the head to the side until he got too close. Then with one fell swoop of the beak, the little scrapper would disappear off the sill. To my surprise, he popped right back up, determined more than ever to secure his rightful place in the community. I felt like that little finch. The only thing distracting me from the birds was the throbbing in my hands. It's the kind of throbbing that you can feel in your chest and throat. Every joint in my fingers were screaming, screaming to unlatch themselves from the torture of the day. Watching the birds helped distract me. They took me to another place. There were many times I had to escape to another place, especially in the fields and from the heat. It all started with these polyester suits they made us wear. We called them death suits. They trap the heat in towards your body. It doesn't take long for the 100-degree heat of the Florida sun to begin the cooking process. Sweat starts rolling once the sun comes up in the fields. It rolls down your face and neck, down your chest and stomach, down your arms and legs, all the way to the tips of your fingers and toes. Yes, I'm rolling. Yes, I'm rolling. Yes, I'm rolling, I pray. We'd pray for the sweat to stop. We called it the drying. With each drop of sweat, the thirst would become greater, the craving for the sweet taste of water on the tip of our tongue. But when you dried up, the sweat would stop rolling, but another torture took its place. You became the hot box. Hot boxing was even more dangerous. The heat's trapped inside your body and has no place to escape. Your brain starts cooking. You get dizzier and dizzier and even start talking to folks that aren't there. I'm, I'm hotboxing, Earl. How, how long do you think till break? Well, I reckon by the sun, Earl said, about an hour. Can you hang on? Yeah, I said. Ain't nothing but a thing. Two ten-minute water breaks a day. That's it, K-Wing Slim says. Not a drop more. I remember watching, marching to our water break area. We followed a trail through a patch of pine trees that offered us the first shade of the day. It's been years since I've seen a tree up close. I took a chance. I reached out and touched one. It made me feel alive. It was worth the risk. Nothing else mattered at that moment. We were made to sit in the sand waiting for our turn to the water bucket. There was this red squirrel, biggest darn squirrel ever done seen, that came down to the lowest branch that hung above our heads. It popped and squawked and talked to us every day like the trees told him we were trespassing or something. I swore there were times I understood him. I'd yell silently at the guys in front of me to hurry the hell up so that we could get all two shots at the water bucket. The dirt would stick to us like cold butter on toast, offering a cool reprieve from the hot hours before and the hotter hours to come. I was grateful for those pine trees. I continued to sneak in touches. These were the moments that I wanted time to stop. The field boss, we called him Popcorn because he always was popping up and telling us what to do, order us back to the swamps, the swing blades, and the hot grass. Grass that would reach up and pull the swing blade right out of your hand. The liquid from our bodies would seem roll down inside our hands, creating friction with every swing. 
ripping our skin, blistering with blood, mixing with sweat as we continued to swing all under the watchful eye of Popcorn and his rifle. Our hands would become crippled each night. They'd dry up and curl like plums left out in the sun too long. Each morning, we'd have to break open our hands, exposing the raw flesh that was trying to heal from the night before. The flesh around the wounds would be so tender they'd begin to sing. It would burn a high-pitched sound into your head, a sound that wouldn't allow you to think. It was like there was an imaginary tribe of people embedded under your skin, stomping on your nerve endings. Their songs would die down by the mornings. Mornings are when your sanity would return. That is, until you'd have to break them open again. Many of us shared various techniques for accomplishing this task. Earl taught me how to smother mines. Smothering your hands has two distinct benefits. One, you eliminate the popping sounds of your wounds opening up that make you sick to your stomach. And two, it was the quickest. Earl said all you have to do is simply drop your chest and upper body on the back sides of your hands while your palms are pressing down on the cold steel table in your cell. Just stay there a minute with your weight on him, he said. It helped to keep the swelling down and slow the blood. If you couldn't open your hands enough to grab the swing blade, you couldn't work. If you couldn't work, you'd be subjected to forced beatings with your hands handcuffed through the bars of your cell after breakfast. Breaking your hands ended up being the lesser of two evils. I was sentenced to seven years to the Florida Department of Corrections for crimes attached to a fight. I lost to eight Leon County Sheriff deputies. A fight that disfigured my face, left a golf ball-sized dent in my skull, and caused a traumatic cataract in my right eye. The same eye that was finally fixed two weeks ago. Through anger and blindness, I found my way at the age of 24 to this place. The average life expectancy on the chain was four years, even in 1991. Oh, this could change at any moment, depending on the guard in charge and your breaking point. One day, we were in a V formation singing and swinging our way across the swamps when a resident cottonmouth snake got terribly upset with Earl, who by accidentally cut the top off its grassy house, you see. Earl had a horrible fear of snakes and spiders, all of which were regular critters in the swamp. The same swamps we were cutting down each day. Earl's eyes popped out of his skull. His swing blade went straight up in the air. Of course, he wasn't there when it finally came down. You see, he was headed for the gun line, completely out of his mind with fear. Cottonmouths are known to chase after folks. Earl must have got the jump on him. I think the snake was stunned by how fast Earl took off. Earl had no way of knowing that the snake gave up the chase after a couple of feet. The gun line was the arm perimeter that constantly moved as we worked. This was the point of no return. It was the place where death became a certainty. Running to the gun line was a normal occurrence on the chain. Uh, it was the easiest way to stop the pain. There were harder ways. People got sick, died of heat prostration, and beaten to death on a regular basis. You never forget the sound of a man being beat to death. I never felt so powerless. Earl must have seen something in me the first night I met him. He called me over to his bunk and pulled out a brown bag from underneath his legs. He says, hey, hey, boy, you want to live through this thing? I replied, yeah. He said, sit your ass down and help me eat these bones. Earl proceeded to show me the art of eating chicken bones that night. There's a secret locked inside, Earl said. It's the marrow, same that's inside Grandma's chicken soup. You see, 
I made it five years on the chain gang because of Earl. I made it here today because of him. Watching Earl run made my heart break. When your heart breaks, oxygen leaves your body. Lightning bolts use your skin as a conduit to your head. It's used as a dump bucket for all the excess energy that hits you all at once. The one man that made sense to me would soon be gone. He'd just be another number forgotten and grinded into the dirt from this machine. The boss man raised his shotgun in the corners of his mouth into a smile, welcoming another opportunity to kill. To kill the one man in this place that showed his heart without concern for consequence. To kill the one human being that taught me, no matter what, don't give up. That no matter what, there's a reason to keep on living, and that reason is us. To carry the story of what happened here. The good men to their core, both black and white, lived and died here side by side. That there weren't no color on the chain, only pain. And that we're all one in spirit when our bodies turned to dust. Earl's always wondered how come it was that we got to wait till then to realize it. He was going to take Earl from me. Some things play out in slow motion. I remember yelling, but I couldn't hear myself. God must have pushed the mute button. I begged God to wake Earl up, to bring him back to his senses before he hit the gun line. I, I felt selfish asking God to save him. I knew how much pain he carried. I was just scared to lose him. Sometimes you do things without thinking. Just so you know, I ran after him that day. Earl descended on the gun line with a crazed look on his face. I'm sure it must have looked like Earl and I were trying to escape. They had no way of knowing that I was trying to save him. I began to run harder, not sure if I could catch him. Not sure if this was our day to become part of a song. You see, I use math to catch Earl. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I figured where Earl would meet the line and hightailed it towards that point to intercept him. I stayed on line and tackled him to the grassy floor. Two feet away, I peered down the end of a shotgun. I looked back down at Earl, his eyes receding back into his head. We both started laughing, picturing what we must have looked like, me running after an old black man, legs sprawled out to the side, hurtling the high grass, running to our death. We just lay there laughing without a care in the world. That was till we heard the bullwhip crack. In the end, we survived together. Earl and I were 100% different, but the same. You see, Earl healed me. He made me colorblind. Yes, I'm rolling. Yes, I'm rolling. Yes, I'm rolling, I pray. Man, that's <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. I went to the first criminal meeting. That was my first experience at the criminal meeting with me and Mark. No idea the magnitude of what we were stepping into. I I really underestimated the just the whole situation you guys had. And the second you sat up, told that story, it really just awakened everything, you know, in terms of what you guys are attempting to build and accomplish. And um you know, and I had to have you guys back here to tell that story, and also yeah, tell you know Zane's story as well, which is coming up. But I, I think the people need to understand, like this is serious. This is really probably the most positive 
outlet for people that are out there that feel lost. They've just got out, just released. They feel like no one understands them. It's a community. It's a fellowship. And it's it's existing right now. And, and not just one night a week, you're expanding. Yeah. It's multiple nights. Yeah, we... we Thank you for letting me share that piece. I mean, it means a lot to me. It's it's um, the um, just this last two weeks, Zane. I mean, we've been in court. We seem to be in court more now than we were when we were getting in trouble. But I get to but, leave. Yeah, but I we, get to leave the yeah, courtroom we to, today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's what ten, fifteen, twenty criminal members that come support folks that are still going through the court systems, yeah. and the judges are seeing it, and and people's lives are turning around and changing, and they got that support. I mean, that's they, right. That's what we get. That's what we get to do today. We get to support our people, and it's making a difference for sure. You know, and and that's why I'm that's why I'm here too, as well as I'm in a position of power here with this podcast, and I, I had to bring you guys back, like without question. You know what I witnessed. Far superseded anything that uh, envisioned. I mean, it's hard to when when you talk about it. When we talk about the steps, everything like that, it's hard to imagine the magnitude of what you guys are doing right now. But on that note, let's take a quick commercial break and get back to Zane, and then uh, I think you guys are gonna really enjoy that as well. Yeah, thank you. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. All right, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Another exciting edition of Felony Inc. podcast. Ooh. You know, I'm your host, DJ Dick Hennessy, and we have our special guest in the house tonight, Baron Zane from Criminon. Criminon. Uh, they're back so soon, yeah, but it's for you. a reason. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. I yeah, really appreciate you guys. Everything you guys are up to cannot be contained in one hour. So I, I look at the last time you were here, the initial time you were here is kind of the beginning, you know, just to get things, you know, people acclimated to the idea of Criminon. But now it's time for people to kind of get more immersed into the experience and really the real stories behind Criminon and what it took. You know, this isn't like one, like a little flash in the pan thing. This is a, a serious movement, in my opinion. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, it is. So, um, you, are you going to chair, or we were going to we're going to hear your story, right, Zane? Sure. Um, so, f- before I get started with my story, I just want to say this: today, I'm a miracle. Um, I never thought I'd be sitting here. Um, I thought that prison was my destiny, and that's where I was going to spend the rest of my life. So. I'm going to start off by, um, so I remember the first time that um, I ever drank or used, I was about five years old, and um, my mom and dad were at a party, and I was there, and somehow I 
took a couple drinks, and before I knew it, I was drunk, stumbling around the yard, and my mom and dad laughed, and the whole party was like, oh, look at the kid, he's drunk, and, you know, um, what I realized at that moment was that's how I got attention, right? So it was real easy for me to um, to continue to to drink in the home. Um, I came from an alcoholic um, drug house where it was very normal. Um, I'm going to fast forward to being about 10 years old. I was a full-blown alcoholic, uh, was using on a regular basis, um, had been kicked out of school several times as, as just a kid. Um, but, you know, what really changed for me when, when I was 12 years old, I had broken to a home and I'd stole a whole briefcase full of money. And um, I took that money and I uh, brought it home. And, um, you know, I just started buying things. And, you know, the first thing I did, I remember, was I, I knew this older guy and I, I sent him to the liquor store and uh, I bought two cases of half gallons. I'll never forget that. And then when my mom and dad got home, they were like, oh, where did you get this, you know? And I was like, well, you know, I ended up telling my mom about the money and I actually shared a lot of the money with my mom and dad. And uh, But what happened that day was I got this rush that I can't tell you what it was like for me. Um, it was so intense. It was more than any of the drugs or the alcohol ever did. Um, it wasn't long that money was gone. And I start, started committing crimes in the neighborhood. You know, I'm 12 years old and I'm breaking into people's homes. Um, and it really wasn't about what I could get. It was more about that rush that it gave me. Um, and, you know, I'm sure for many people who've committed crimes know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, this continued on till I was probably about 18 years old. And uh, something happened major in my life, and uh, I ended up in a jail. Um, and for me, uh, I thought, I, you know, I wanted something different. Um, so I continued to drink and use, but I, I stopped committing crimes for, for several years. Um, until um, I met a girl, I had a son. Um, he died of SIDS, uh, two months, six days old. Um, that day changed my life. Um, it turned, um, it turned me into, um, a very bad person. Um, I used every single day just to numb the pain. And in order to do that, I had to commit crimes. Um, I wasn't one of those people who would commit a crime and be good. Um, I would work. I call it work. I call it work, if you can believe that. A full-time job as a criminal. Okay, so that, that alone is some pretty heavy stuff. So I would go to work every single day, and then I would go back to work at night. Um, so I could continue to numb myself, the pain that I had, um, the hurt that I, that I suffered. Um, so I'd been to prison uh, seven times now. 
Um, I did 21 years in the penitentiaries. I, uh, you know, I thought I was a good criminal. <laughs> uh, the time I was on the street, um, I would get out of prison, and I would go right back to committing crime and using drugs the same day, sometimes two days out. I had no support whatsoever. And I have a little story to tell today. Um, when I was 10 years old, my mom and dad brought home my little sister um, and handed her to me. I might have mentioned that, you know, I come from a line of alcoholics and drug addicts, and and I was an alcoholic myself. And, um, you know, at one point when my sister was about 13 years old, you know, I took her into uh, Fred Meyers, and I told her, look, this is what you do. And I told her exactly what to do. And I said, I'll be waiting at the back door. And don't worry, no one will get you because I'll be right there. And she did that. And my sister was my crime partner for the next 10 years. And we did a little, we did some things, right? Um, she always looked up to me. Um, she thought I was this... You know, when when we have older siblings and, and we think that they're the best thing in the world and, you know, I was sitting in, at home and I was watching the news and I looked up on the screen and there was a picture, um, America, or Fox Most Wanted, um, Armed and Dangerous. Um, it was my little sister's... Um, picture and I was like a whole bunch of stuff came back to me um, because you know I feel like I brought her to that point um, I did show her how to commit crime I did maybe share her first alcoholic drink and 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 drug with her uh, we became the best of friends you know and when I saw that picture uh, all I could think about was, you know, where to hide her and, and how to help her. And, you know, and, and I was still so caught up in my addiction um, of criminality that I wanted to I wanted to get her a lawyer and I wanted to help her any way I could. So I went out and I committed a crime um, and found myself um, wanted as, as well. Um, I, I called my sister in, in while well, she's in county jail because she did end up turning herself in. Uh, you know, the detectives called her and told her, look, either you turn yourself in or we don't know what could happen to you. Uh, which, you know, pretty much led her to believe that, you know, they could actually shoot her. I mean, they said she was armed and dangerous. They didn't know what, you know, what what she was capable of. They So... I call her in prison and I tell her, look, uh, you know, I, I got I got caught. I didn't get caught, but they found out who it was and they were after me. And I told her, look, I'm not going back to prison. Uh, I had a load of, of drugs that was going to end my life. And I told her, look, if they get me, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to end my life. And so. When the police chased me that day, um, they ended up ramming my car 
and another police officer hit me head on and ran me into a telephone pole. And the first thing they did, they ran up to the window um, looking for that shot of drugs that had fell out of my hand by the impact of the police car. Um, pulled me through the window. Um, that day, I'm so grateful that I did not do that. Um, because none of this would be possible. Uh, as I sat in prison for the seventh time, and, and, I, and I sat next to Bear, and, and you know, we, we lived right next to each other, and, and uh, we talked about, you know, criminal and what it was going to be, and, you know, my life changed. Um, you know, I had to deal with some of the things around the death of my son, uh, you know, uh, a counselor told me, you know, you need to write a letter to your son, you know. And I said, well, I did that. And she said, no, I want you to write a letter back and, and that what he would say to you. And I got to tell you that um, that day some healing started for the first time in my life in, in, the, in the 20 some years. And, uh, and I started to be able to get a grip on, on, on that alone. So that when I got out, I didn't have to go back to numbing that pain that I, that I carried around for so many years. And, you know, I just wanted to say that today um, I get to give back to the community. I don't have to take from the community anymore. Uh, people come to our meetings and, you know, I'm there early. I stay late. I try to help every person that has any, any issues. Uh, you know, I put my name and my phone number on lists, um, all in while helping myself. Uh, and what I've learned is that this 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 criminal is a, it gave me a sense of belonging, and um, I will never stop pushing for Criminals Anonymous. Uh, we have high hopes of what criminal Criminals Anonymous will look like one day, and. I looked at I looked at what criminal would look like when I first got out and, and and for the first 90 days or the first six months and we've by far exceeded all that and so what I wanted to say today was um, if you're struggling with crime or the criminal addiction there is somewhere that you belong and that's with us um, a sense of family and a sense of belonging because um, we're here and we're um, uh, we're all about helping our community and helping helping each and every single person to um, to not go back to prison because that's what it was for me. I'm just tired of giving state all my time. I've 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 I got an 18 year old nephew and a 12 year old niece, and you know I don't even know them. But today, I'm getting to know them, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I get to go to my families, and they want me there. Where before, they never wanted me there. They were like, what's he going to steal? Or is he going to go in the bathroom and use drugs? And, and they're clean and sober and trying to live a better life, you know. Um, my sister today um, is the best thing that, that ever happened. Uh, she's got 10 years clean and sober. And um, she works for a um, 
very good company in the recovery business, and I just wanted to tell her I love her. Raina, uh, so proud of you. So that's all I got. You know, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is why I had you guys, I had to have you guys back immediately here because last time we were here, we kind of just glossed over things. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the important parts, but this is the real, the real stuff right here. And um, I feel like it takes the real stuff to really motivate people and let us know, let people know we're serious about this. Um, Criminals Anonymous, I'm 100% behind. Uh, from what I've witnessed and what I continue to witness, you guys are on the, the right path, and I'm on the path with you to go and spread the the good word and the gospel of Criminon in the in the Justice Center and the in Inverness, hopefully. And um, you know, people need to hear this. You know, if we if we just skip the fluff pieces, we thought, oh, we did a bunch of years in prison and we're here now, we're doing this. It kind of it it misses the mark, you know. Right here is the this is this is for real, and um, I think people can relate to that, and hopefully it motivates people, more people to come and check out the criminal meetings and support the criminal meetings because I'm a huge advocate for it. I'm wearing a criminal shirt, a criminal hoodie right now. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be continuing to support meetings, and meetings are expanding. You know, it's not just every Monday at 7 p.m. at Free Methodist Church. On 650 Southeast 139th Ave in Portland, it's it's expanding to other locations, other dates, and this is a movement. I mean, plain and simple, this is a movement, and this is something that is incredibly positive for the community. It's something that does not exist outside of this, and it's something that people need. You know, like the and I've said before on this podcast. The prison industrial complex does not want people to survive and and you know recuperate from it. If we all, if everyone that goes to prison comes out and gets a job and lives happily ever after, you know how I many police officers, corrections officers, construction people that build prisons, everyone are out of a job. Like there's no the machine, the prison industrial complex is not set up for us to get our life together and to to you know, not come back. They want us to come back. It's set up for us to come back. So any kind of resource that we have to not come back is is huge in my opinion. You know, I feel like and I've said this before maybe, maybe not on the podcast, but I'll say it right now. I genuinely feel like when you die, the only thing you get to take with you is that spiritual currency, what you have done to benefit communities, what you have done to help people's lives. You know, you don't get to take money, you don't get to take real estate with you after you die. All you get to take with you after you die is the legacy of helping other people to avoid these pitfalls and, and these things that are here right now. And uh, you guys are the embodiment of that, and I fully believe that, which is why I wanted to have you guys back as soon as possible, as soon as I saw what was really going on at Criminon. And I can't recommend Criminon highly enough, honestly. And uh, just, you, know, you know, I want to just to let them know, everybody know <clears throat> that our website is up. That's great. Yeah, it's org. 
right? C-R-I-M-A-N-O-N.org. And we have a link to the Felony Inc. first podcast on the front page of our website. That's great. Uh, Felony Inc. All right. Everybody here, thank you so much. And hopefully we get another link for this episode. Yeah, we'll, I put think this the, is, we'll put the next one on there, too. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like this is the nice, the right follow-up to the first one. I feel like the first yeah. one was kind of, oh, you know, criminal, criminon, you know, it, it sounds cool, you know, but now, you know, with me co-signing this and with you guys elaborating on this, you know, this is a really powerful thing, and this is a really positive thing and for the community. Go ahead. So, Dick, I just want to say, you know, today I get to be transparent in my life, and I get to tell my truths to people. It's not always easy. I have a lot of emotions behind it. But you know what? If I can help one person and let them know where I come from, that it ain't been easy. This is not easy. I struggle today with criminality. You know, I don't commit those crimes that go through my head. Because I have support. I have, well, for one, I have, look at him right there, right? He, he, don't, he don't let me get too far off the leash, right? But I'm just saying, I have people in my life today that love me, you know, and care about me, and that I contact every day. And, you know, I have a boss, my boss and his wife, they're, they're the best people. I can't tell you what they do for me. Uh, but what they, what they allow me to do is to work every day. And, and, you know, I don't have to go back to that lifestyle. But what I, what I was thinking about as you were talking about, about, you know, how it's set up is, look, you know, I don't have an exact figure, but, you know, the amount of money that is spent throughout DOC and the POs and, and the police officers, look, we're not asking for a lot, you know, but a little piece of that pie to help criminal grow you know, I just let's let's bring back something to our community. Let's start taking back what what is so freely giving to to them and, and start helping one another so that we can slow down the recidivism rate. Because, like I said, after seven times in prison in 21 years, I know I know for I know exactly what it's like uh, better than probably most people, um, because I ref- that, that was me. That was my life. I thought that's how I was going to end up in the end is, you know, I just wanted to say when I went to court this last time, you know, the, the DA asked the judge six or seven times, we need to set this man down, set him down. And what that means is that they wanted to age me out in prison, right? So that I never got out. Uh, you know, I have 57 felonies. So I, I understand all that. But today I'm so grateful that I got a chance to, to be here and, and that I got a chance to lay right next to Bear every day and, you know, and to be a huge, huge part of what Criminon is about today because uh, I got a story, you know, and it's a powerful story. And, and, and I don't – it's not about me, and I, and I say that quite often. It's about our fellowship, you know. It's not about Bear. You know, it's not about anybody individual. It's about us as a fellowship. So there's a lot of people behind the scenes that, that you know, we haven't mentioned that are doing so much work. And I just want to each and every one of those persons know who you are, whether you're financial or you're supporting us in, in whatever way you do. We love you. And um, we're so we grateful to have, to have the support that you give us. 
And you'll be right there with us as we move forward because today we're moving forward. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I, I, it's awesome. We're the unstoppable fellowship. That is. It's going right. to be. It's going to be. That's right. I mean, this is a perfect example of that because if you weren't, if I went there and it was some kind of ragtag thing to get off parole soon or, you know, something like that, I would have I called on it. But uh, when I went there and I saw the significance and the legitimacy of what you guys are creating and just the good for the community you guys are creating that no one else is. Thank you. Let's be, yeah. let's be clear here that no one else is doing that. No one else cares, you know, and you guys care. And I, I don't want to get into specifics of what I witnessed in meetings, but you legitimately are making a difference and you legitimately are the backbone and you are helping people in their time of need when they have no one else to turn to criminals anonymous from what I've seen, you're doing it. And it's an incredible resource for the community and I'm, I'm all hundred percent on top of it. Um, and, and behind it. And I want to see it blossom and, and grow to where it needs to be, in my opinion. Thank you very much. Thanks so much Dick. for having us. Man. Yes, we really why, appreciate it. Yeah, that's why I'm thank you, you brother. Uh, let's wrap it up right now just on this. Uh, thank you so much. You guys can, again, check out the Criminal Meeting Monday, 7 p.m. at Free Methodist Church on 650 Southeast 139th Avenue in Portland, Oregon, 97233. Every Wednesday. And, and every Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday at 2601 Southeast 160th. At 6 p.m. That's right. And I'll don't be. forget, we have child care. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check out a Wednesday meeting. I've been to multiple Monday meetings. Yeah. Donuts yeah. and coffee. No. <laughs> In a hug. And I can't thank you guys enough. Oh, uh, thanks let me so get, much, man. Yeah, thank you so much for being here and coming back. You guys are very extremely inspirational. Every Friday morning at 10 p.m. here, Felony Inc. podcast at the Ned Space Network. Tune in, and I'll see you guys next week. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.